Canada is facing an unprecedented economic situation. There is a severe labor shortage. The global supply chain crisis is limiting the number of goods available and sold in Canada. And finally, most of all, inflation is driving up the cost of almost everything. We'll talk to one member of parliament today who is doing everything he can to ring the alarm bell and talk about what he calls just inflation. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We've got a great show for you today. But first, I'm going to stop you right now and say, if you're watching the show on YouTube right now, please stop. Please like this video, subscribe to True North, and don't forget to hit that little notification bell so you never miss an episode. If you're watching on Facebook right now, please make sure that you like the video, share it, leave us a comment, and head on over to our page, True North, and like that page. Finally, if you're listening to the show in podcast form over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts, please don't forget to subscribe to The Candace Malcolm Show. And if you enjoy the content, if you like what we do on the program, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Okay, we're going to get right to the interview today. I'm really pleased to be joined by one of the most effective communicators in Parliament. I'm talking about MP Pierre Polyev. Polyev is the Conservative Member of Parliament for the Ottawa-based riding of Carleton, where he's been the MP since 2004. Pierre currently serves as the Conservative Party's finance critic and has kept the Trudeau government accountable for the unprecedented number of new spending initiatives during the pandemic. Since the government began printing more and more money, Pierre has been one of the only MPs in Canada who has consistently sounded the alarm bell, but not just sounded the alarm bell. He's done an incredible job articulating what the problem is, helping Canadians understand, because we're talking about abstract financial concepts here. It is hard to wrap your head around it sometimes. And Pierre does a great job of making it more easily understandable and, and more approachable for the everyday Canadian who might not have a background in finance. Um, he cuts through the spin. He calls out the media. He does exactly what you want a conservative MP to do. And his work on inflation has been absolutely outstanding. So, Pierre, thank you so much for joining the Candace Malcolm Show. It's always great to have you on the show, and we really appreciate all that you do. Thanks for joining the program. It's great to be with you, Candace. So let's talk about inflation, or, or as you call it, just inflation. So the government believes that this isn't a made-in-Canada problem. Christia Freeland said this. They think that it's part of a global problem, and the best way to address these concerns is through things like child care subsidies, housing subsidies. So I want to ask you, Pierre, what is wrong with this approach, and will the government ever stop spending our money? Well, uh, let me start with the diagnosis, and then we'll talk about the cure. Um, the, the Liberals want you to believe that this is just some problem that came from elsewhere around the world and that they're doing their best to solve it. But let's analyze that uh, and break it down. Um, they say that, for example, COVID caused supply chain disruptions, which has raised prices. Well, if that were true, then you would expect products that don't have supply chains to have no inflation. Uh, the most obvious example is raw land. Uh, raw land has no supply chain. It, it's under our feet. It's been here for thousands, maybe millions of years. Uh, so if uh, inflation were just the result of uh, blockages at shipping ports long uh, thousands of miles away, you wouldn't expect any inflation for something like land. Well, it turns out land prices have inflated by 20% in just one year. In other words, uh, four times faster than the average inflation rate uh, uh, as measured by Stats Canada's CPI index. So uh, we know that there is something homegrown when land prices increase that fast. 
and uh, we also know that housing price inflation is a, a an extraordinarily Canadian phenomenon. We have the second biggest housing bubble in the world, according to Bloomberg. Uh, only uh, New Zealand, which has the restriction of uh, being a tiny island with a finite amount of land, has a higher uh, housing prices than Canada relative to income. Uh, Vancouver is now the second most unaffordable housing market in the world, and Toronto is fifth. So those two cities are now ahead of uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Manhattan, London, England, uh, all kinds of places with less land, more people, and more money. Uh, So that can only be a homegrown inflation phenomenon, homegrown being uh, an intended pun. Uh, And um, so, but the the government is right about one thing. Uh, There is inflation in other countries, in those countries that have the same inflationist policies that our government has. So where they're printing money uh, and running monster deficits, they're getting high levels of inflation. Uh, it is true that you can you have this phenomenon everywhere in the world that's tried, not just in Canada. So if you chart uh, the G20 countries and you put money supply on the x-axis and inflation on the y-axis, you find a nearly perfect correlation. Uh, those countries that have had large money supply growth over the last year and a half have the highest inflation and those with low money supply growth have the lowest inflation. Uh, So it is uh, the decision of countries to print money. Now, liberals will say, we had no choice. We had to print money and run huge deficits. Well, we had to spend some money during the pandemic, but we didn't have to have the biggest deficit in the G20. uh, And we also didn't have to print money to pay for those deficits. We know this because countries who did not print money are succeeding now. For example, Switzerland has 1.2% inflation. Uh, Japan has 0.2% inflation. Why? Because they did not print excessive money to fund their governments. So uh, that's the that's how we diagnose the problem. They're printing money to pay their bills, which inflates the price of everything. Too many dollars chasing too few goods. So the second part of your question is, should they spend more money still <laughs> to tackle inflation? Well, that would be like trying to cure lung cancer by smoking more cigarettes or to cure obesity by wolfing down more cheeseburgers. Uh, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be uh, taking the cause as the cure. Uh, instead, we need to do the exact opposite. Uh, uh, balance our budget, stop printing money. Instead of creating more cash, create more of the stuff cash buys, build more homes, grow more food, deliver more clean Canadian energy to consumers. Well, it it seems laughable that the solution that the Liberals have come up with is continuing on the path of of spending more, borrowing more, and printing more. Pierre, let's let's talk a little bit about the theory behind it because I I, I don't think that people really recognize that this is a a concerted effort. It's a it's a planned decision. Um, something called the modern monetary theory, which has been embraced by left wing liberal governments, um, like Justin Trudeau, like Joe Biden down in the states and other other governments around the world that you you talked about have have this corresponding increase in inflation. So can can you walk us through a little bit what the what the thinking is and as a secondary question to that 
I mean, they know what they're doing and, and they can recognize it. They can read the statistics just as well as, as you can and I can. So, so why is it that they are sort of turning against the obvious answer as to, you know, why inflation is happening? Obviously, it's because of printing money. Why is it that, that liberals, I mean, they're smart. They're smart people on the liberal side of the aisle there. They, they, they must understand, be able to read charts and, and see the writing on the wall. So why is it that they are sort of denying the fact that, that printing money correlates with uh, money being uh, worth less? Well, because they're profiting off it. Uh, printing money is highly profitable for big government and big business. Uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of media say, well, even the banking economists endorse this money printing. Well, of course, of course, they endorse the money printing. They get the money. Where do you think the money goes first? Uh, they are the first ones to touch it. So this is how it works. Um, there, there is, there's this thing called mon mon modern monetary theory, as you point out. Others people call it the magic money tree, MMT, uh, or more money today. Um, and it is this uh, socialist idea that uh, governments can uh, just keep printing cash to pay for sumptuous welfare state spending. Um, the Liberals here in Canada and the Federal Reserve in the United States have a twist on it. They, they call it quantitative easing. So where monet, modern monetary theory has the central bank print the money and literally just hand it over to the government to spend, the, the liberal government ha, and the U.S. government in Washington and uh, other central banks around the world have something that's even more devious, and that is to allow the financial institutions to play middleman and profit off of all of these transactions. And they call this quantitative easing. What a great, what a great euphemism, eh? It's, it sounds so calming and so, so soothing. Exactly, whenever they come up with a, with, uh, you know, a, a 15 syllable uh, technical term that no one can understand, you know they're hiding something. Um, here, but here's how it actually works. The government sells bonds when it runs deficits. A bond is like an IOU. So the government says, here's a bond that I promise to, I, I, it, it's a promise from me to you to pay you a certain amount of money in say five years and to pay you interest in the in-between time. That's how governments have raised money for deficits for years. But what's happening with quantitative easing is that the Bank of Canada then goes and buys the same bond right back. So the government goes to a financial institution, sells a bond to raise some debt, and then within days, our central bank, which is part of the government, buys the bond back at a higher price. In other words, the financial institution profits off the difference between the price for which the government sold it the bond and the higher price for which the central bank bought it right back. Uh, and the, the effect is to allow bank, uh, banks and credit unions and insurance companies, private equity firms to profit off of the difference between what our government sells and what our government pays for those bonds. The other thing it does is it floods financial institutions with easy money. Um, if you want any proof of how, how the impact of this, look at the Bank of Canada's report just last week on the uh, investors, uh, uh, real estate investors getting a 100% increase in the number of mortgages they've had in a year and a half. That increase began in April of 2020. Well, what happened one month earlier? Quantitative easing began. 
So all of this cash started funneling into the financial system and it got lent out to investors who then uh, used it to bid up the price of real estate. And since that time, we've had a 32% increase in real estate prices. Uh, and that has priced poor working class people out of homes while making the existing mansion owners or investors extraordinarily rich. It's also ballooned the stock market. For the first time, our stock market is worth about 130% of GDP. Uh, so what happens is when all this cash goes into the system, it inflates the assets that the rich own and the products that the poor and working class must buy. So quantitative easing in the states has bipartisan support, Candace. Um, Democrats love it because it, in, it inflates big government. Republicans love it because it inflates big business. Washington and Wall Street are happy and the working class gets screwed because it, it destroys the purchasing power of working class wages. So it's a monstrous wealth transfer from the have-nots to the have-yachts. Uh, and that, so Candace, you asked, are they, are they smart? Yes, they're bloody smart. They know exactly what they're doing. And they're, that is they're rich, enriching their friends, the managerial class of CEOs, lobbyists, bureaucrats, um, corporate lawyers, investment bankers, they all make off like bandits. Uh, they're not breaking any laws. They're just profiting from a system the government puts in place. Uh, they're perfectly honest people, but the system is profiting them at the expense of the working class who pay the bills in this country. Well, you, you make it sound incredibly uh, cynical. Um, you, you know, usually in politics, if, if the if the question is, you know, is, is something happening um, because someone is evil or is something happening because something is someone is incompetent? Um, I usually tend to lean more towards incompetency. Uh, but 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 the, the, the way that you're painting it seems seems quite cynical. I know that the liberal government is sort of intentionally conflating two issues here. They're, they're sort of pretending that their printing of money and inflation is caused by the global supply chain issues, which is a real issue, Pierre. It is happening around the world. Uh, I'm buying some new furniture for my house and I'm living it because everything I ordered that was supposed to be here in November is now they're telling me, you know, you might have it in January. So so, so the supply chain um, crisis is real. The COVID pandemic is having an impact on that. I'm wondering if, if we could switch and you could um, ad address this issue as well. What, what would a conservative government do uh, to address the supply chain issue? Do you think that Canada needs to do more to uh, take back and, and build up our own domestic manufacturing industry, have a made in Canada solution the way that we that we see sort of emphasize in the U.S. or 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 do you think um, or con conservatives still sort of stand um, behind the free trade model of, of having everything sort of imported from China and, and having costs go down that way? Well, I, I, I want to just address one last point on monetary policy with regards sure. to supply chains. A lot of people say, well, there's nothing that the Canadian government or the Bank in Canada can do about foreign supply chain costs. Well, actually, there is one very obvious thing, and that is if our dollar is more valuable, then we can outbid other countries for international goods. So while we don't in Canada set the global oil price, if our dollar were higher, then our purchasing power for oil would also be higher. Um, so when governments print money, they, they deliberately actually devalue their currency, which reduces the purchasing power of, the, uh, of their money on, uh, in the international bidding war for scarce goods. Again, I go back to Switzerland. Switzerland has supply, supply chains too. They have no inflation. Why? The Swiss franc is extraordinarily powerful. When you have a potent currency like that, you can just outbid other countries 
for scarce um, and obstructed goods. Um, so that's that's the first point I would make. Secondly, on supply chains, well, you I, I, I use I go back to my slogan, which was a very deliberate one in the last eleven election. Uh, we need an economy that makes more, costs less, with paychecks, not debt. Um, if we had uh, unleashed the productive forces of free enterprise in our country, we could make more things here in Canada. But here it is very expensive to set up a factory. We're ranked 36 of 37 OECD nations for the delay time to get a building permit. Um, it, we, uh, so why would you build a factory or a warehouse here uh, when you could go build it where they approve it much quicker? Um, we have an extremely punitive tax regime with payroll and carbon taxes expected to rise uh, January the 1st, which means businesses who are thinking about setting up a factory here or say Ohio will say, well, I'm not going to move to Canada because I have to pay all these payroll taxes and these energy taxes on my to to produce uh, go the goods and services that the people need. Um, we, you know, if we unleashed uh, our energy sector by building pipelines, we could supply more of our domestic energy uh, through uh, from Canadian resources rather than importing them from expensive foreign producers. Um, if we reduced the penalty for work that taxes and clawbacks impose, we'd have a greater supply of workers who'd have more powerful after-tax paychecks. Um, you know, we have a million unfilled jobs, Candace. Why is that? Well, we're paying people not to work and then punishing punishing them when they do work. So why are we surprised when people don't work? <laughs> you know, you get less of what you punish. You get more of what you reward. We should reward work with lower income and payroll taxes instead of rewarding non-work with greater welfare programs. Well, well and, and it's even worse than that, Pierre. Uh, I read I read the other day about how the CERB, uh, which was intended for people who had lost work, um, that there was about six times as many people collecting it as there were job losses due to COVID. So, so you know, what what happens when you pay people not to work? Uh, people are going to take advantage of that. And sadly, it looks like that's what we see. And then on the other side, you know, my mother-in-law owns a small business in Toronto and she can't keep employees because it's like why would anyone go out and work if they could make the same amount of money staying at home uh getting paid by justin trudeau uh i i, I want to ask you a final question here pierre it, 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 i know okay so last week you know parliament's back last week the media and the liberals were completely obsessed with this idea of finding out uh the every individual personal health um story of conservative mps and finding out why they had exemptions and, and who was vaccinated it was a total distraction and you rightly called out uh one journalist uh for for, for falling into a liberal trap Th this week it seems like the house of commons is completely distracted by a disingenuously named bill um called the conversion therapy bill but it had unanimous support in the House. Why is it that the issues that we're talking about right now, the things that really matter to Canadians, every time I talk to someone, they're talking about the cost of living. They're talking about how expensive it is to get gas, how expensive it is to go grocery shopping. And yet when you look at Ottawa, you look at politicians, the media, the government, they're talking about issues that just don't matter at all, that are that are totally irrelevant um, to, to, to Canadians' day-to-day -day lives. So you, you, you're, you work in politics. You've been on the Hill for a long time. Why is Ottawa so out of touch? Well, the, the press gallery is largely bought and paid for by the state. Um, CBC, of course, is um, the state broadcaster. Then they pay journalists from other outlets to do extremely uh, lucrative commentary uh, on the network. Very few people watch it, but it still pays a, a handsome uh, sum. 
And so all of those journalists then have to toe the CBC line if they want to keep getting the gravy. Uh, and then there's a half billion dollar subsidy for the rest of the, the outlets. Um, so basically you have an ecosystem of media who live off big government and they don't therefore want to report on any of the painful consequences of big government. Of course, big government overspending is causing this inflation. A half trillion dollars of deficits uh, mean more dollars chasing fewer goods, driving higher prices. Uh, and uh, the those who live off of the ecosystem of big government don't want the average Joe on the street to know the reason he's paying more is because the state uh, is spending more. Um, so, you know, they're, they want to talk about every uh, distraction they can conjure up uh, so that nobody realizes uh, why and how the system is screwing them. Um, and uh, so the important thing for us is to, uh, to call, call it out, be very honest and very blunt when you get these distracting phony questions like I did, you know, journalists saying, what are the medical exemptions that four or five Tory MPs have to uh, uh, avoid the vaccination? Are you serious? Like as though I would call people up and ask them their deeply sensitive private medical information, um, as though that is my job as a member of parliament and finance critic. Uh, that is how crazy it's gotten. That's why it's so important to have independent media uh, that doesn't rely on the state and doesn't just tow uh, the government line, uh, like your publication. Well, I really, I really appreciate that, Pierre, and and it's always a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate your time. I know you're busy, but thank thank you so much for for joining the show, supporting True North, and 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 coming on today. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas holiday, and we hope to see you again in the new year. Excellent. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for watching. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is the Candace Malcolm Show.